Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bays. I am a content creator, CrossFit L2 trainer, nutrition advisor, and sober alcoholic. I created this podcast to share inspiring stories of people and information I'm learning in hopes that sharing our experiences will inspire us all to grow, learn, and change. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Claire. Today, my guest is Erin Monson, who is a dear friend of mine. She is someone that is going to appear more than this one time because the amount of value that she brings to my life is extensive. But today, we're going to focus specifically on your relationship with food. And so we're going to talk about what that journey has looked like for us and hopefully share some insights that can maybe just help everybody else out there and help us help each other. So Erin is, besides just being a dear friend of mine, she is also a certified personal trainer and she is a relationship coach and just a life coach is kind of the big thing she's doing right now. She coaches clients one-on-one remotely just through stuff they're navigating. And then tell them you're in school right now. What is the degree that you're getting right now? Marriage and family therapy. Okay. Okay, cool. So anyway, hello, Erin. Hi, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Honored to be here. I am so grateful that you are here. You guys, if you can't see the video of this, you just have to know that today I'm wearing this tank top that has these like ruffly sleeves because she has a shirt that I think is like the same. Anyway, I saw it and immediately was like, Oh, that's my Aaron shirt. Like I'm channeling my inner Aaron. So anyway, Ruffles. it's so cute and it just makes you think of you. Okay. So let's just dive straight into this thing. I think that I would like to preface before we get going, just that neither one of us are dietitians. This is just something that we have had a lot of experience personally with navigating ourselves and so hopefully it's something that through walking through those experiences, we can we can kind of learn together that the system works together as a whole. So let's dive right in. And with all of that being said, I want you to tell us a little bit about who you are and your experience with nutrition. All right. So... <laughs> I mean, I am not a dietitian. I did do multiple nutrition certifications as part of my career as a personal trainer and a CrossFit coach and a tennis coach. So I have spent a lot of time researching nutrition and I've had my own experiences and challenges around food. So it's been this weird mix of health, nutrition, nutrients, what's supportive to my body, to my clients' bodies, health in general, and also the emotional aspect of how we relate to food and how food is such a pleasurable, enjoyable, wonderful aspect of life. And so that's kind of been my whole journey the last 15 years is figuring out how to relate to food in a way that feels supportive to me physically and emotionally. And that came with multiple eating disorders, (laughs) lots of stuff. What she said already. I just like, boom, there you go. That's why she's here. Anyway, (laughs) dive right in. But I'm like, I mean, wow. Okay. Let's hear about it. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, it's, 
this constant balancing act. And I think that's a part of life is figuring out how to relate to anything in a way that feels supportive because anything that we relate to, whether it's a human, a behavior, something we enjoy, it can all be turned into something that is no longer supportive and more harmful to our lives. And so food, especially like we cannot go without it. Like we need food to survive period. (laughs) So it's not something we can avoid. Like say you have a problem with a substance like alcohol, like you can completely abstain and remove yourself from it. Food is not one of those things. You have to learn how to be in relationship with it. And then depending on your values and what's important to you, if health and the way you feel, the way you perform, if you're an athlete, the way you need to support your body, there's so many different things to take into consideration when you think about how you relate to food and what you need food for. And that's so dependent on your values and your goals. So there's a lot of factors when it comes to being a human relating to food. So yeah, I mean, I went through the ring of it with having an obsession with health, but also taking it to the extreme where it became no longer healthy, multiple eating disorders, just a really, really nasty relationship with food and didn't feel like it could ever get better. Like this was it. This is something I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life. And that felt daunting and exhausting and disgusting (laughs) to me. And so that's what's so cool is as you learn more about it and figure out what works for you, like there is a way to have a healthy relationship with food and to enjoy it and to use it for health purposes. I love that. Okay. So then I want to take it back because I think that a lot of people are really going to relate to those different places in that journey for you where now you feel like you are at a place where you understand that you can't get rid of it ever and you should continue to work on your relationship with it and make it positive because it is a beautiful thing. And being able to enjoy what we eat and enjoy our experiences with food is beautiful. But little Aaron didn't know that. And so let's take it back to how did we get to that place where we do feel that way? Because we didn't always feel that way. We felt very differently. And so, yeah, I just kind of want to hear more about the ins and outs of that journey. Yeah. So for me, a lot of it stemmed from my body and physical appearance. And I learned from a very young age that I was more worthy if I looked a certain way and that I could get more attention and more people would like me and that my purpose as a woman was to be sexually desirable and to satisfy the needs of the people that mattered to me. Like that was a very prominent lesson that I learned pretty young. And so that's kind of where it all started for me with food was like, oh, if I eat a certain way, I can control the way my body looks. And so now I really care about health because it will make me look good and it'll make me more attractive. So that's kind of how it all started for me. When I think back to being 11, 12, 13 years old. I'm working out really hard. I'm coming up with my own training programs. I'm starting to research everything I can about food and what I should eat and what I shouldn't eat. At what age did you say? How old were you when you were doing all that? I was young. 
I want to say I was like 12 or 13 when I started to really pay attention to that. And it's even more like nowadays, a lot of the research shows young girls, like as young as six, seven, eight are starting to pay attention to this. And it stems from what they see not only in media and at school and in other conversations with people, but at home with their own moms and their relationship to their body and their relationship to food. So it's hard to escape. It's in our faces all the time. And that's something I had to learn. Like I had a lot of anger towards that. Like, how do I learn how to be in this world? Because we can't escape it. And so, yeah, it was young. I was young when I remember paying attention to that. And it always felt challenging because I love food. Like I come from an Italian family. (laughs) We celebrated with food. My family loves to eat. It was such a social connection. It was pleasurable, joyful. And so I felt so much cognitive dissonance between loving food and seeing the pleasure that comes from it and also thinking that I needed to control my body and to look a certain way in order to belong in the world. So it felt so conflicting and caused a lot of turmoil within, which caused a lot of pendulum swings going back and forth and feeling like something was wrong with me if I ate a lot and then feeling guilty about it. So swinging the other way and restricting and controlling and just constantly going back and forth, back and forth and didn't feel peaceful. It wasn't fun. Yeah. And at that age, like you do not have the awareness to recognize. And while you're so young and you're trying to figure it out and you're like, okay, so if I eat like higher protein foods and if I just like eat less, then I'm smaller and smaller is good. Having no idea of the psychological side of that and how your hormones are going to be impacted and just, I mean, your energy levels, there's just so much more than meets the eye with it. And when you're that little girl trying to figure it out, you don't have a clue. And so you do the pendulum swing. And that's definitely was my experience. I certainly waited a little bit later in life to get going with all of it. But by the time I was 18, I was gaining weight and did did the same thing. So I waited a little bit later to get going. But sure enough, it was deficits that were far caloric deficits that were far more significant than what my body was okay with. And I didn't understand that. I mean, I just knew that a deficit was a good thing if I was trying to lose weight, according to these people telling me. And so all I knew was restrict, 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 get this positive reinforcement because other people are telling me that it's working and like, I feel good about that. But then I'm tired because I need food to have energy. But then I don't know how to regulate this thing. So I'm either all in or I'm all out. And so I did the pendulum swing thing too. And that was, it became this restrict, 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 binge eat, throw it up. And those are all experiences that you've had as well. So I know when I met you, we just hit it off (laughs) immediately. You were just so willing to be so transparent with me about your experiences and talking about you moving away from your home state and pursuing this fitness career and your identity was so wrapped up in that. And then it really went to dark places. And so you want to walk me through once we get to that stage of life, like what that looked like? Yeah. So, I mean, this went on 
I moved away as 27 at the time. So it had been going on for a long time. I was already well into my first eating disorder when I had moved. So I was not in a great place. I didn't have a healthy relationship with food or with exercise or with myself at all. And I used that move. Looking back now, I had just gone through a pretty bad breakup. I was really heartbroken. My eating disorder had kicked up even more so because I was emotionally struggling. And that's typically what would happen when I was having a hard time in life, my eating disorder would get worse. It was a big coping mechanism for me. And so when I moved, I decided to move down to Southern California, almost as like a fresh start. Like I'm going to move, I'm going to create new relationships. I am never going to partake in any disordered eating or eating disorder behaviors. I'm going to like use this move as like clean slate. So I was really excited about that and I felt really good about that. And I moved, I loved it. I was really, really enjoying it for the first few months, like thinking that it had solved all of my problems. Yeah. <laughs> like you had okay, arrived. We're good. Got a yeah. new place. Yeah, I've arrived. I was waking up um happy and excited. Like I just had that oomph that I was looking for again that I hadn't felt in a long time. But I didn't address like the deeper stuff that was going on. And so, of course, eventually everything showed up again. And I was in an atmosphere that was very supportive in me being disordered. (laughs) It was, I was at the gym all day. I was coaching. I was around super fit people. I was getting a lot of reinforcement externally about how good I look and how fit I am and all of the things that just fueled my disorder even more. And I was away from my biggest support system, my closest relationships. I was on my own. I moved down there by myself. I didn't know anyone. So I was pretty alone, which was good for me in a lot of ways in learning to show up for myself, but also very lonely. And I didn't have anyone to talk to about what I was struggling with. So it just got worse and worse and worse. I was working out more. I was controlling my food more. My eating disorder did not go away because I moved. Turns out those things follow you around. They don't just disappear. <laughs> Your when you coping move mechanisms somewhere. don't leave when you go somewhere <laughs> geographically. No, Stop. No, it's crazy. I was on a beach. I thought I was living my best life. And as much as I'm poking fun at, that's a very real thing that uh, many, many, many people face. Is that yeah? So I'm poking fun, but like, it's a very common thing. And yeah, it's okay. Absolutely. It's okay. Yeah. And it's easy to see how you would think that changing an atmosphere or trying something new might help. And it totally could. Again, it takes addressing the deeper stuff and not looking for quick fixes and really being willing to take a deep dive within your own stuff. So, yeah, I didn't do that. I just was hoping it would all disappear. And I, got worse and worse and worse. My binge eating and bulimia turned into orthorexia, which was a very, very intense obsession with only eating things that I thought were healthy. And it was to the point like taking one bite of something that I deemed as unhealthy. Like I could not fathom the idea of having that inside of my body. Like I would start freaking out. Like I couldn't even have one little taste of anything. 
without it affecting me in that way. Like it was crazy. Now looking back at it, how much it controlled me. So that kept getting worse. Do you think that that had something to do with like, that was something you could control and you felt like many things were out of control. And so that was just like, this is something I can control this. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And fast forward a few years, started therapy and started learning more about myself. Control is a huge part, an eating disorder or any unhealthy behavior. Control is a false sense of safety. And it's a way of trying to feel okay. And that's in my case, that was through food and exercise, controlling my body, controlling how much I worked out, controlling what I consumed. That was my desperate cry for creating safety within my own system. And that's what we do as humans. We look for ways to feel safe when we don't feel safe. And that's how it manifested for me. Yeah. Okay. So finish out that. So you're out in Southern California and you get to a place where you're now in this stage of orthorexia where you can't even consume foods that you deem as unhealthy. Uh, And then what? I lost 10, 20, 30 pounds, (laughs) little by little, just kept losing weight. I wasn't eating enough and I was working out five, six hours a day intensely. And my body shut down. <laughs> I didn't not, it was unfortunately for me, it took me hitting that point of like literal body dysfunction. I was on the verge of dying. Like my heart was not working. My blood pressure was freezing cold all the time. My hair was falling out. Everyone that saw me was worried about me, um, talking about me behind my back, trying to out of love, like we need to help this girl. And I didn't see it. I thought I was fine. Like, guys, I am fine. Like, what is going on? Chill out. I'm good. So, yeah, that's what it took. And it was like my family had come down for a family vacation right before I had moved home. I hadn't decided to move home yet. And that was kind of the – I passed out when I was with my family one morning. I had some conversations with them, some brutal and honest conversations that – really helped me. I trust my family and they helped me see that I needed help. So that was kind of the final indicator of like, okay, I can't do this on my own. Got to move home. I got to start therapy. I need support. I need help. And so I decided to move home, moved home like within the next month. And that's when my healing journey began. Yeah. Well, my heart just like I just want to hug you. Whenever you told me that, I just (laughs) getting to that place. I mean, that had to be so painful and isolating. And I think that this is a tragic, but beautiful example too, of just how, even if it isn't your biological family, just the, the concept of the people that you love that truly care about you, allowing them in on a consistent basis so that they can truly know what's going on with you. Because if we keep stuff internal, things can get really weird. And so relying on that support system and allowing it to be present. And even if it is just consistently at this time, all you have is a therapist or you don't have a therapist yet, but maybe it's time allowing that person to be your rock and getting it figured out. And just, I guess, just having community support. And so whether it is your biological family, which is such a beautiful gift to have, but whoever it is, just 
I certainly know that this sounds to me like your kind of rock bottom moment. And my rock bottom moment, as I've talked about on this podcast already, was of course with sobriety and, and substance abuse. And so with that, then it became this search for a community that could support me because I needed help. And so since then, it's been very paramount to remember don't start to isolate because there have been times already where I will catch myself pulling away and be like, well, no one really cares or whatever narrative you want to tell yourself. And at the end of the day, you're a human and you need support from other humans. And that's just reality. And it's healthy to like, let them do it. Absolutely. There's no way around it. Like we are hardwired for connection. And as you're talking about like shame, shame is deeply rooted in pretty much safe to say all disorders or dysfunction shame thrives in isolation and when it it tells you that you are alone it tells you that you are messed up it tells you that nobody cares it tells you all sorts of lies and they feel really true and when we isolate that shame grows and grows and grows and that's why some people never can get out of it because they feel that alone and they're in that much pain. And I will never forget the moment I told my mom, I had never told anyone that I had an eating disorder. And I thought for sure I would never tell anyone. Like it was so shameful and so embarrassing that I was sworn to silence. Like I will overcome this and no one will ever know about it. And I will never forget the time that I let it out of my mouth. Mom, I have an eating disorder. I need help. I'm not okay. And mumbling that, holy crap, that was truly when my healing journey started because it helped just to excavate this secret that I had been living with. And to say it out loud made it real, tangible, and like I could finally see that there were steps to be taken. There were people who loved me and I didn't have to carry it alone anymore. And that was so powerful in healing. Yeah. That moment when you're able to finally articulate something's really wrong, that's where it starts. That's where you get the opportunity now to receive that aid that you desperately needed. I can only imagine what that felt like. I know I do this daily inventory where I ask myself a number of questions each day. And one of the questions is, have I kept something to myself that should be discussed with another person at once? That's so beautiful. I love those questions that you do. Yeah. And and mind you, I didn't used to practice that. That came in sobriety. <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing because I have to look at it and think about it. And you know what? Sometimes the answer is yes. But having that question on paper to have to answer for me helps me keep me in check because we'll do this thing when we start to feel like we got those tools in our tool belt and like we're hitting a stride and whatever. And then we're like, cool, I got it. And then life comes along. It's like, homegirl, no, no, you still need your people. You still need your resources. Those tools don't set them down. So then you start in therapy and you start working on your relationship with food. And I mean, this is a long-term process because how many years were you going down the path to that point? And then how many years has it been since then to today? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint exactly. I don't remember having a healthy relationship with food like my whole life. 
I mean, as a kid, when you don't care, like that was, right. those were the times when you yeah. don't even think about it. But oh. yeah, in my adult life, like it was, I mean, at least 15 to 20 years of slowly getting worse in that sense of, of not relating to food well. But um, then with therapy, like I started therapy about five years ago now, and it was obviously a long process. It still it will forever be an evolving process of healing, but it's crazy how when you start to learn these skills that we're talking about, how when you commit to implementing them, it doesn't take away all of the pain and the problems, but you see a pretty quick, even just a, a sense of hope and permission to have trouble with it and to feel more supported in it. I think that part of it um, happens pretty instantaneously. And then it's the longer process of celebrating the little victories, noticing the little ways that you are getting better and getting more building trust back again with yourself. And that's a long process that we will forever be on. But accepting that and accepting that healing is messy and it's up and down and it's all around and it's not this linear process, moving into acceptance of that is a pretty instantaneous thing once you can see it. So that's a beautiful part of not getting overwhelmed, being like, it's been 15 years of this. It's going to take me the rest of my life. Like, yeah, it might take a long time to like slowly heal and like there's a lot of beauty that comes when you just find your support, when you just commit to doing the little things and use that to keep you motivated and to feel at peace with the process. Yeah. That's acceptance. Getting to a place of like accepting the reality that things will never be perfect. You will never be perfect. And that can be so tough for so many of us because we expect so much out of ourselves. And so then to have to have these expectations of ourselves and simultaneously remember that we also have to give ourselves grace if we want to have a peaceful existence. Mm -hmm. That balancing yep. beam, we teeter in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let me ask you, if you were to say something to that person that male, female, whoever, however they identify, whoever it is. Because one thing that I think is so important to note is that this is not a problem exclusive to women. And although we are more vocal about it or have the luxury of being able to, I'm not sure, it is something that humans struggle with. So to whoever it is that is in a place right now where they feel like they're in a pretty dark spot with their relationship with food, if there is some sort of takeaway that you could give them today, an action item that you could tell them, this is something that was a resource that was beautiful for me, or what would you say to that person to just pivot? Jeez. Mm, There's so much. There's so many beautiful resources, and it's so hard to pinpoint one. I think about me being in my darkest moment like I said, with shame and isolation, feeling so hopeless and like I couldn't possibly deal with this the rest of my life, that's, I would just want to plant the seed into someone in that place 
And that's what I am like a walking billboard to my clients now who are in this dark place. I'm like, hi, I am your walking billboard. I am here and I have a way healthier relationship with food, my body, with myself. So in those moments, like that resource is probably some form of connection outside of the self, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a family member, a partner, a close friend. I think having someone, someone you trust who, um, a nervous system that is more regulated that can help mirror something positive in you, that is probably (laughs) the most powerful start, I would say, to feel hope, just to a little seed of hope that it can get better. That's what I would say. Yeah, because that was the turning point for you. That was where things start. Of course, then you had all of this work ahead of you, but that was the turning point when you finally admitted to someone else, I'm not, this isn't going well. It's such a beautiful thing. I know that anything that I've opened up about, because of course, for me, this whole social media journey that has occurred this year has been such a beautiful gift. <laughs> I mean, it has. A, it's been a journey, right? But just being able to be open on that platform or open with the people in my life, that started when I got sober last April. But it's been so cool to just be vulnerable with others and watch how many people just say, I'm not alone as a result of being able to like, what I notice is, and so with this topic or any topic that you struggle with is just like, when I find when I am in a place where I am capable of opening up a little bit about whatever it is that I'm struggling with, I've suddenly, or just whatever I'm, I'm human about because I'm human, I've given that person that I'm sharing that moment with the, the space to be a human back And I feel like 10 out of 10 times they do it. And so there's this, with that shame, it's recognizing like, if I can muster the courage to articulate the fact that I'm not thriving right now, what I will find is this person is going to be a person, like a human back and their imperfection is going to show through and they're going to show support. And it's just this really, really beautiful thing that unfortunately we have to go through so much pain to get to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's the way we connect with other humans is never about perfection and like having this life that like, that's not what we relate to. We relate to the messy, the vulnerable, and that's what creates this deeper intimacy with each other. And that's what gives us more meaning and purpose and all we're looking for. Like at the end of all of this, like I was search I was trying to get a certain body and control my food and my fitness in order to feel joy, pleasure, connection, love, acceptance. Like that's what I wanted to feel and I thought that having the body or having whatever was going to give me that. But like when you realize, wow, this feeling I'm chasing actually comes from vulnerable connection, from authenticity, truth, being the person that is in alignment with my values, like all of these other reasons that are so much more that they actually give you what you're looking for. That's where that turning point of like, huh, wow, that's what I want. What's the feeling that I'm looking for here? 
Yeah. And I love to point out the fact that if I think about the people in my life that I would consider to be the most beautiful people to me, it has nothing to do with their waistline. It has nothing to do with the shape of their eyebrows, the color of their skin. It has nothing to do with if they have every limb. I mean, literally has nothing about their physical representation has anything to do with the beauty that they hold in my eyes and the value that they add to my life. So if I think about that, and that's the grace I give everyone else, what the fuck are we doing not giving that to ourselves? I so appreciate the fact that my mother always said to me growing up, she made comments about, don't get too attached to your looks because they're here today and gone tomorrow. And it's so good. And what she was just trying to tell me, you know, was that at the end of the day, the value that I have to offer this world has nothing to do with exterior bullshit. And so, yes, while taking care of our bodies is important and eating nutrient-dense foods is important because then we can perform better in life, we can feel better, we can literally nurture the relationships that we care so deeply about in life better if we eat better. So so as a result, your your physical manifestation will show those things, right? But But it's just, man, like what a journey to get from like that disposition of just eat small, be small, just shrink away to that place. So all of that being said, now I want to kind of ask about like, what does your relationship with food look like today? Mm. Eating burritos, tacos, all the Mexican food that I cut out for everything. So, um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting the way that I have done it. And this is so dependent on the person. Some people, um, like that pendulum we were talking about, sometimes when you're so restrictive and have such severe behaviors around food that are dysfunctional, sometimes people just let go and they swing to the other side where they have to give themselves complete full permission to eat anything that they want and then work through the anxiety around that and work through detaching their identity from their body and gaining a lot of weight and maybe being in an unhealthier um, actual like with blood work and with uh, um, fitness level and all of that in that sense like you might have to swing the other way to heal your relationship with food um I was really resistant I didn't want to let go I was like but I care about my health I don't want to just eat whatever I want and I know too much about what nutrients my body needs and I want to feel good and blah 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 so I could not completely let go like I just and for me that worked um it was definitely the longer way the longer way to recover my period the longer way to get my body in a healthy place like it was longer for sure. And so I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. But for me, I had to little by little, release my hold my grasp and let it um, build trust with myself to make these decisions around food and to constantly be checking in with my motivation. Like, am I eating this because of food rules? Or am I avoiding this because of food rules? Or am I afraid to eat this? And I had to really work on trust with myself. Um, to start navigating those decisions. Um, because the other way for me was too much. It was too scary and I couldn't completely let it all go. Um, and my therapist disagreed. She was like, let it go. I'm going to keep challenging you to let it go. 
And she did help me in a lot of ways, like bring in food that I could not eat because I was so afraid of it. Um, And we would eat it together and like just sit with the feelings of the anxiety of like having this in and out burger in my mouth being like, oh my gosh, it's going, it's going down my throat. Like, oh no, it's in my stomach. Like we need to get rid of it. We need to get rid of it. Yeah. Dealing with those feelings and noticing like building trust with like, I am okay. I ate the food. I'm okay. I wake up the next morning. I feel fine. Everything's okay. Like seeing and building trust in that. Yeah. Like that was super helpful, but I also couldn't completely let it go to where I just gave myself like full permission to eat anything and everything because it was too scary for me. And that works for a lot of people. And so for me now, because I slowly took those steps, I settled in a place where I can there's no food that scares me anymore. Like I no longer have fear foods. I will eat anything that I want to eat. (laughs) And I choose to eat a lot of foods that keep my body feeling its best. Like I've gotten to a point where I'm very honest with myself. I know my motivation behind my choices. And if I want the dang burrito, burritos are my favorite food. And I eat them like on a weekly basis now because I love them so much. And then if I'm craving a salad, like I know how to listen to my body now. When you spend years and years restricting, dieting, controlling, you lose trust with your body. You no longer have access to your hunger levels, to what you're craving, because you've denied it. Just like in any relationship, if you have a relationship with someone and you're constantly trying to control them lying to them, not listening to them, not showing up for them when they're calling for you, like eventually that relationship is going to go to shit and they're not going to trust you because you've like lost trust. And that's what happens when we diet and when we restrict. So I had to build trust back with my body, learn how to listen to hunger cues, learn how to listen to how it reacted to certain foods and just let go a little bit, let go of control And I have a tattoo on my wrist, relax and release, just release the control and just surrender to the way that my body communicates with me. And that becoming my priority of like body love, supporting it from a place of love instead of control and fear and rejection and all of that. So yeah, that's where we're at. I think God, it's beautiful when it sounds like, so it was largely intuitive. I know at this point, my understanding is it is very intuitive. So kind of that whole journey was pretty intuitive. Like, were you at any point tracking any sort of anything or through that last five years of healing, have you really not done that and just tried to do the intuitive route or, or... yeah, yeah. I was tracking. I mean, in the midst of my eating disorder, I was tracking um, very diligently in that And as I started to heal, I was still tracking. And in that time and place, it was to make sure I was eating enough is what I thought my motivation was to try to like get more food in my body. But as I continued my healing journey and had an honest conversation with myself, I was like, I'm tracking because I'm still afraid of losing control, not because it's what's best for me. And I knew I had to let it go. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the more you tune into yourself, the more you build trust with yourself, the more connected to those little communications you are. And I knew I had a moment where I was like, you got to stop, let it go, stop tracking, 
eat food and just let the healing truly begin. So I did that about probably nine or 10 months into therapy. I stopped tracking completely and it was very much intuitive from then on out. That is so beautiful. Thank you for giving the clarity on that because I think that we can talk about concepts, but one of the things I always, I want to get really as crystal clear as possible about like, what is that? What are the details? What does this actually look like? Right. And so then one of the things I love about this conversation is just because we are in two different spots in our journey when it comes to our relationship with food. And so I love the beauty of that. I recently did an episode with Eric Hinman where he also talked about like where he's at with his food because of course, and his wasn't that like, it was just a part of his daily life and so on. And anyway, like he's very intuitive, right? Because he spent so much time learning about what works for him that it can be that way. Whereas for me at this time, I still track macros and I'm actually a really big fan of it for myself and for many people at this time. And the reason for that is because I am still learning. I'm still only a year and a handful of months into sobriety from alcoholism. And so for me, one of the things that I did the pendulum swing with was reintroduction to eating disorder habits, binge eating, even bulimia. And so I was just grasping for coping mechanisms because my biggest one got taken away. And so just recognizing, okay, so the macro tracking was a suggestion that I took and has actually been really beautiful for me. And it's been interesting and I'm learning. I've already in this year alone went from what I was consuming and tracking up. I'm already up a good 50 grams of carbs a day from what I started at, a good 500 calories a day from what I started at. Like I'm very much learning. But for me, what I view that as is I am someone who, when it comes to food, have learned a lot of the head knowledge about what is good and bad. But as far as being able to be in tune with what I actually need to fuel my body, to feel good, to have energy, to exist in life, to be able to enjoy my experiences with food, socially, all of that, I am in a place of where doing that for me helps me head that direction so that I do less of the binge eat thing that I still want to do because I feel lonely or out of control. And so I just want to let go or reel it in. And so for me, that is a tool I'm currently utilizing and I'm, a, I'm an advocate for it for people who are trying to figure out what actually feels good and right for them. It can be a really cool tool. And so I just think it's fun to touch on the fact that like there are different ways to approach this thing and understanding. I think that even though our approach at this very moment, and I certainly am someone who says that like, I don't plan to track forever. I'm learning things and I'm okay with that. And it helps me truly have a better relationship with it. But what you're doing and what I'm doing are kind of different approaches to the same concept that simply is mindfulness. When you're eating is being aware of like, what? It, what? why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want to avoid emotions or am I doing this because this is a pleasurable experience socially or because this is fueling me and I genuinely need to do this because it's food and I need it? to live, you know, just checking. It's just, um, it's not that like there's one right way to do it. It's simply like 
being mindful about why we're doing what we're doing. And with food, that's just such a big thing. You know, I tell myself affirmations with it still. That's another thing is I say affirmations specifically around food because I'm still actively, and I think that we're all in our journey with it at all times. You're in a different spot right this moment than I am, but just reminding myself like it's plentiful. It is good for me. Like it's just all of the good things about food and how essential it is. You're never going to get away from it and you can heal your relationship with it. And it can become this totally intuitive thing and just what a beautiful thing, right? Absolutely. And I love what you're saying, like with macros or with intuitive eating or whatever you use as a helpful tool, like that's where I struggled was I felt like it was so polarized. And I even took that stance, like when I stopped tracking and I was like, see, tracking is horrible and it does all these things. And I had to like kind of take that extreme stance as I was healing And when you kind of settle back in and you're seeing things like they're all, it's a beautiful tool for learning about food and for building, like for you to like, see, I can eat this much food and I do feel better. And to see those numbers and to see the motivation and to build that type of trust with the amount, because we're taught all these arbitrary numbers of how much we should eat as a person who wants to look a certain way and which are usually absolutely bonkers by the way the numbers we usually get told are like i'm like what yeah it's insane (laughs) it's it's just so off it's so off for what we actually need but like you said like there is a place for everyone and even coming from that place of empowerment of like why am i doing what's the mindfulness around it and knowing that like it's okay if this is purely for enjoyment because this tastes good. That is my why right now. And it can be a coping mechanism. Like eating food can be a totally healthy, good coping mechanism when you're feeling stressed. Like it's okay. It doesn't have to be. And like what other things can you add to the list that are also helpful so that it's not your only way of feeling okay. So yeah, there's space for everyone. There's not one right or wrong way to do this. Yeah. And it's the giving yourself grace along the way. That's with the tracking thing with me. I think it's so interesting because it's just like an observation of behavior now, which is just so cool, right? Because it's never the same. I mean, that's just like, I mean, it just, it differs and sometimes it differs greatly and I can very clearly see like, oh, this was an emotional thing. But then just understanding like my life didn't get derailed. Move along, move along. Okay. So what is something that you feel like you're doing well with that you would like to do more of when it comes to this topic? When it comes to food, relationship with food, what I am doing really well, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially my partner, Julian, you know him. He has been really, (laughs) really supportive (laughs) and encouraging. I was already doing pretty well with my relationship with food, but since being with him, it's been a whole next level of him encouraging me and supporting me and even checking in with me like, Hey, I don't think you've eaten enough today. Like in a super loving way, not in a controlling way, but just, and encouraging me like while I'm eating the burrito, like, yeah, like I love it when you eat that. And it's, it's been really just like with connection with support. Like he's been a huge support for me this year And that's what's been going so well is 
my ability, my flexibility around food, the things that I'm willing to eat. Like it's not this unhealthy obsession anymore. It's just enjoyable. And so that's what's been going really well. Like I'm constantly amazed. Like I check in almost weekly at something I'm eating just in awe of like, I never thought that I could eat this literally feeling no guilt, no shame, like not having to do anything, not having to work it off, not having to binge on it because I know it's always there. It's always available for me. Like that's been going so well and it's so freeing and peaceful and beautiful. And I just hope that that just continues to be the way it is the rest of my life. Because I am telling you, I know what it's like to live and die around food and it consuming all of my mental energy. And that is no way for me to live my life. Like there's just, there's no way. And so to feel that freedom and to feel this beautiful balance of joy, pleasure, enjoyment, and also feeling like the healthiest my body has ever felt, like seeing that all come together in this way has just been, I'm so grateful and so happy to to be in the place that I'm in now. So yeah, I love it. And I just, I feel like with that, to just take a moment to tell the listener, the reality is that you are capable. And I know you guys hear me say this, but I need to remind you that with this topic specifically, we give ourselves so many limiting beliefs as to why I'll never look like Aaron. I'll never look like Claire. I'll never have the relationship with food that they have or pick whoever, whatever, right? And like one, you're your own individual. So like stop that. But anyway, it's just healing your relationship with food and getting it to this beautiful place of abundance and all of that is something I just want to tell you, like her struggles took her dark places with this and now she's there. And like my struggles with this took me really dark places. And like, I am in a better place with it today than I've ever been. And a part of that is acknowledging the imperfection piece of it and being at peace with it and understanding that the way that I behave around this thing is just always going to be imperfect. And I am perfectly okay with that. Oh gosh, could 20 year old Claire have thought that? Like, what if she had learned that then? Oh my Atlanta. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, what are three things that you are grateful for today? Mm, Today, I am so grateful for body that is a container for my soul. Like that, I mean, not to go off on a tangent here, but like that's something I check in with all the time. (laughs) Like to be on this planet, in this world, like we have to be in a body. And I was really angry about that for a while. I'm like, why can't I just be this little ball, this little soul that's just finding other souls to connect with and these stupid bodies don't get in the way. They're ruining everything. Like people just get so distracted by what they look like and it just ruins all of our connections. I was so mad about that. And I finally had to get to the point of like accepting like, all right, you're like, you're in a body. We're all in a body and like, you gotta just accept that. And so today just having a body that contains my soul like i'm so grateful for that that's the first one number two i am really grateful for i feel so silly i already talked about him but 
I'm really grateful for my partner, Julian, because he hey, has been... connection and that ain't silly. <laughs> He's been the most, I mean, I know it's not silly, but it's just, I'm talking about him a lot. I'm just in my feels for him right now. I love he it. He has been the He's most He's a good expansive. dude to be in your feels for. Oh gosh. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. But like the way he challenges me, supports me and helps me expand into versions of myself that I didn't even know existed. I'm very, very grateful for him and his impact on me. And third, I am really grateful for sunshine, summer, nature, being outside. Like it lights me up. It makes me feel alive and excited and just spending any moments outside in nature. It brings me so much joy. So yeah, I'll stick with those three things. I could go on and on and on. I'm grateful for you. Oh yeah, you're like limit connection. <laughs> limit me at three. All the things. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just very which full guys, of gratitude. my connection with Erin is just fun because we met in January of this year, and it is now the end of August. And it was quite funny. We met through Julian, and he had this new girlfriend. He was so excited about, and I was like okay, cool. Like that's, you were not even looking for a girlfriend and now you're like in love. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Julian, yeah. if we're just totally, whatever, but he, I'm sure he's part of it. <laughs> anyway. And then I met her and I was like, oh shit, I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> and so then next so thing you know, fun. it wasn't even, but like two months later and I was like taking a trip halfway across the U S to visit her and to see some other people too. But I was like very intent on seeing her and I've gone and visited her multiple times now. And it was one of those things where I yet again, you know, was still in my first year of sobriety at that time and was still very much so in this rebuild phase of like my own life and my own tribe. And I just met Aaron and was like, that one's mine. I'm taking that one and I'm going to be creepily intentional about cultivating that relationship. And so anyway, I just, I, I love to tell that piece of how we found one another because you're just special. You're special. <laughs> Thank you. So three things I'm grateful for. I am grateful for the fact that this podcast launched yesterday. So the first three episodes went live yesterday. And then of course this one will come out soon, but just so grateful for the team that I have supporting me with that. And just the fact that this is a platform that we get to have now. And I feel like this is a space that meaningful work is going to be done. And I'm just super, super stoked. So I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for fitness, having a body and just the community around that. I've been training at a new facility this week and it's been really, really great to have people around to train with. And it just always like the community aspect of that always just, uh, is something that feels really special. So other than that, my third thing today is going to be that I'm grateful for books. I just mm. like sitting down and reading some pages. And that was that. something I didn't do until I was 29. Like I did it <laughs> in school because I had to and didn't pick them back up until a year ago or yeah, right around that. It's been fun. So other than that, I just want to hear where can the audience find you? Where can they support you? What is Erin up to today? So I am working, I work with clients one-on-one -on -one and in group settings. And I also work with couples and that is my main thing. I absolutely love it. It's that, that purpose I finally connected with that I found. So I work with people um, working on relational health, 
learning skills that nobody taught us for some really messed up reason. We didn't learn how to have healthy relationships. And that, I mean, relationships goes to relationships with food, relationships with things, relationships with people, romantic connections. So that's what I do is I help people learn those skills and cultivate a life full of pleasure and peace and joy, connection. And so, yeah, I use Instagram as my main, my main place where I hang out, Erin um, Monson. And then my website is erinmonson.com. And I share a lot of free resources on there and then also take clients who need extra support. So that's what awesome. I'm up to. Yeah. She, I will link all of that stuff in the show notes and you can definitely just she just gave y'all a free hour of therapy. <laughs> that is how I feel about it. But she does definitely do a lot of work with, and I mean, just think about how much value you just got out of this last hour hearing her speak about all this stuff and, and applying that to your own life personally and feeling like she's, I mean, she's truly holding these people's hands, walking them through their journeys. And so if that's of interest to you, you will know where to find her and go support her. So Absolutely. And then I haven't done this yet on a previous episode and I have to start doing it. So audience, thank you for being here. If you got value out of this, if you enjoyed this, I would sincerely appreciate it if you would do a few things, of course, on whatever, wherever you're listening, if you'll follow the show, if you'll rate and review it, and if you feel like there's someone in your life or some groups of people in your life that will get value out of this episode please share it. That is, I just couldn't be more over the moon to be on this platform in this way. And so, yeah, I'm hopeful that this gave you guys something to work with and Aaron will be back. So on that note, we're out. And I like to say this, check back later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.